0: Hello everyone, my name is Craig Alexander and welcome to our first episode of Ride Shimano Radio for the 2019 Ironman World Championships. They normally say you save the best for last, but we flip the script because my guest today is the one and only, the man, the legend, Dave Scott. Dave, how are you?
1: Thank you, Craig. Good. I'm glad you made it off the ship. You just landed here in uh, Kailua and you look a bit haggard. I know I'm going to see on uh, Ali'i Drive kind of blowing
0: by me, but... In a couple days but uh, nice to join you well thank you mate no offense taken in case you were wondering um so how many times now have you been back to the big island not only racing but watching spectating and in your official role now as the mayor of kona uh
1: i think when you were about three years old that was my first year craig uh you know i did uh, Hawaii in, in 80 on oahu missed 81 but 82 on uh, I've been over here I think with the exception of t- uh, two times. I'm not really sure, in 85 I got married. At the time it was a good idea. So I missed that year, it happened to be out in October, so that was one time, uh, and, and one, other, one other round. So a lot of times, and I'm over here for my uh Four Seasons camps as well. So this is the fifth uh, journey here this year.
0: Uh, so you're a local now. I think the 2011 was the other year you missed. I remember you weren't here. Uh, you, you
1: have a, you have an amazing mind Because we've done a lot of interviews together And your recall And don't start going on about your race in in 1996, okay? <laughs> Even though that was a great race that you did in Pacific Grove That was the first time I saw you you're was little, uh, It was 2002 I was 2002 See, I knew you'd correct me I'm not
0: as old as you My memory's not failing me yet <laughs>
1: No, you're pretty astute You were a little chubby in that race But I said, this guy's got some potential And uh, not too long over here, you started showing your dominance.
0: Well, I was trying to work my way down from a 190-pound footballer to a triathlete. I wanted a Svelte figure like yourself, and it took about a decade for that to happen.
1: (laughs) Well, that's for all of us, yeah. Now, I'm just uh, losing muscle mass and other things at my age, so here we
0: are. All right, so let's talk about, well, I guess we'll get onto the race, but I want to, I guess, first of all, get your impressions on how the islands changed and the sport and the race itself in the time you've been coming here how things have changed obviously the course has changed several times and technology has changed the way athletes train and eat mm-hmm. has changed so what have i guess what have your the big changes that you've noticed and we've only i mean i don't want you to go into too much detail
1: but just, <laughs> <laughs> just don't worry uh, i have a real simple mind i mean the technology the last thing that you mentioned obviously is the easy one that everyone can answer and uh you know, you look at the bike, the bikes themselves, the componentry on the bikes, the wheels, I and mean, they're rockets. Mm. And uh, I've got a f- fast Argon bike right now that is totally different than what I rode the last time I was here. I tried uh, Ironman in 2001, got out to Quaihi, High, and I didn't finish. 96 was the last year I, I did finish. And even then, and that's 23 years ago, the bikes were dinosaurs, heavy uh, I have my 1980 bike hanging in my office, that was the first Ironman I did, and people are just utterly dumbfounded looking at that bike thinking that I actually rode it, and I said, yeah, I rode it in the Ironman race too. You know, very, very very heavy, so the technology's changed a lot. I uh, did point out to a couple of people that, um, right where we are uh, at the Sheridan, used to be the Kona mm-hmm. Surf, and that was the turnaround uh, for you know the first decade plus, that they had Ironman over here, and uh, as you noted, we ran up this very steep hill. It's about 12% at the top. It's pretty, uh, pretty stout. So that was the start of the marathon. We ran through town. So obviously, the course has changed a lot. It's had the the pit when you did it in your day, and then...
0: Um, well, no, that was still before my day. That was still before... Oh. Yeah, I never ran into the pit.
1: Oh, you didn't? Ah, sorry, Craig. Jeez, you're a young stallion.
0: I am young, mate.
1: Yeah. No, gosh, I, 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 for some reason, I thought you were 56.
0: <laughs> I, that, that's too old. Oh, you've added a decade on, but I'll take it, thanks. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I know this hotel well. I stayed out here a lot of times with my family, and I, as before we came on air, as I was saying, I used to start all my training runs from out here. I, I think the marathon course from that era, that generation was tougher than the one that I raced on and and probably tougher than the one today because you had the, the hill out of T2 and then you turned right and went straight into the pit and that's another climb. So you came out, you had two, I would suggest sort of six to seven plus out of 10 in terms of degree of difficulty climbs in the beginning, maybe even harder than that. And then the steep downhill, that quad smasher going down to a lead drive, And all that comes within the first three or four miles of the run. So I know when I raced, it was along a Leahy Drive for eight miles. So I guess a lot more favorable in terms of the undulations.
1: Well, you're you're almost accurate on that. We didn't do, until the 90s, go into the pit. Uh, You know, going back 30 years when I raced mark here in 89 we just went straight up the hill and, and a lot of people were losing them on this this description because they don't know what we're talking about but it's a that steep hill and then we ran along Elite drive what was totally different is once we got on the queen k we went about a mile and a half beyond the airport mm. and once you were out there it was really in no man's land uh you'd turn around and, and it was roughly 16k 10 miles to come back uh to the finish line which is you know the same so it was a long jaunt coming back uh Alii Drive, I think. Then in that quad smash you referred to, uh, that that was really at about 1.7 miles when we when we raced, and uh, yeah, that kind of woke your legs up a little bit.
0: So you mentioned the '89 race. I know everyone's talking about it. It's the 30th anniversary this year. Mm. Does it make you feel good to talk about it? It does it hurt to talk about it? I mean, what's? I mean, obviously, you and Mark have talked about it so much. It's one of the iconic race, is, if not the most famous and well-known race of of our sports history and you guys have to talk about it a lot have to reflect on it what's what's that like does it hurt or is has, has i guess with the passage of time i mean you'd won six times and i think when you've won a race even if you come back and perform well but don't win it's it's not quite the same feeling so what's what's it like to reflect on the 89 race a lot Oh,
1: Mark and I have reflected on it a lot, and everyone knows the outcome, so he, mm. he's very pleased with the storyline. <laughs> uh, a close mate of mine who had come over to all my races, his name is Mike, uh, the few times that we went out riding, we'd play these games. He was slower than I was. I'd chase him down for 100K, and sometimes I'd catch him in the last two kilometers. He said, Why are you covering the 89 race? Well, that wasn't the greatest race ever. How about the other ones you passed Mark? Uh, like 87, I caught Mark at around 22 miles, and 84 at about the halfway point. You know, it's gone down as this, as you said, this iconic race because it, it was close. And we were going back and forth. It was close throughout the, the entire day. So, you know, after 30 years, if that wears on me now, that doesn't bring my heart uh, issues. Uh, and we have talked about it a lot. We're talking about it over here. We have a couple podcasts. And we have, a, we have an ongoing 10-part series that's uh, you can go to the, to the website. It's called 1989thestory.com. Uh, we're going to be releasing number eight. Uh, i've just written nine so i'm just trying to stay ahead mark has already done ten which is race day he's, he's beat me in this as well so uh... I, I guess people that have read it find it interesting and and it you know of thirty years ago to recall what happened um, there are a lot of memories that sort of percolate back up to the top and and i was really lucky when my uh, mom was alive she put together scrapbooks about it of every month that i raced. so i have these pictures which are really sacred of 89 Mm. the people that were here and um and just other shots that uh, she saved so you know it's it's been fine it's you know i have no issues talking about it Mm. it it was a turned out to be i guess an historic day
0: yeah well i mean i think firstly it's great that you've got so many photos and and have documented the time so well so you can recall it now for your little podcast series but I think from an outsider's perspective, looking in, what's intriguing as an athlete looking on is, I mean, your rivalry with Mark was one of the, I think, the, the few true rivalries that we've had in sport. I mean, there's been a lot of great races, but often it's different.
1: Well, you, th- you had a couple as well, yeah. Craig, and we, and we were kind of working together at the time. And uh, even the day that you broke the record here, 803, if I recall, is that correct? Uh, it wasn't your best day. And, and people, Mark always referred to it as our best day. I said, well, well, wait a second now. I'm not, I'm not sure when I got second it was my best day. The day that you uh, won 8.03, uh, and I was right with you. You probably don't remember this, but you had stopped a couple times on the mm-hmm. run. You started cramping up, and it was just because you, you're mean as a deranged bull that you're able to, to, <laughs> to finish. I mean, you're tenacious as hell, and that's why you're a champion. So, you know, it was... It was a beautiful day for you, it was fun to watch, but I don't think it was your potentially your best day. You, you were capable, I always have thought this, of running 2.36. You
0: know, I think when you, you have to stop straight away, you know, it's not your best day. I mean, it's not, it's not ideal to be stopping during the marathon. I mean, it was a very good day up until that point, mm. but I, I did leave some time out there, and that, that's racing. I think any race that goes for seven and a half to eight hours or eight plus hours, there's gonna be a few mistakes made along the way. Um, but I, I guess I think for me looking at your rivalry with Mark was the consistency that you both had and you know you I think we've seen it a lot more in the women's racing obviously with Paula she won eight and she had a rivalry with Erin and Natasha won six and Chrissy's won four and now Danny's I think four going for five yeah. on the men's side there hasn't been that level of consistency and I think that's why a lot of people are, are more intrigued by the 89 race because of your dominance and mark was i guess unable to break through he had many races where he led so for me the whole story is not the 89 race it's the decade before it that's that's most of the story and for me where most of the interest comes in it just culminated in that year and that day
1: yeah well we we started and not to uh talk about this for an hour we started in 88 i came over here to race i was ready to race i started developing a a knee issue, and I tried it in the morning. I said, Oh, it's really bad. And I tried it again about seven o'clock the night before the race. And I said, I just can't run on it. And I pulled out. Mark uh, heard that I had pulled out and had said, and openly had said, and also reflected in this story that, you know, it was kind of my day. I looked at the lineup of people and, uh, but his closing line was he wasn't really ready to race so we pick it up from 88 you know we had an off day I thought you know I could possibly win number seven and certainly coming in 89 I said well you know I feel as though my odds are pretty good at uh, winning number seven but it didn't happen
0: so okay let's move on then and talk about the race itself and the conditions here because of all the races I did during my career I, I feel that This is special for a number of reasons. Obviously, the history. Um, It's one of the oldest races in our sport and all the legendary races and and racers who have competed here. It's the World Championship, so the depth of competition is the best you face all year at the Ironman distance, but also the conditions. Some races are hot, some are windy, some are quite hilly, but very few have the heat, the humidity, the wind, and the depth of field that you get here. Is that... Why you feel is such a, a challenging, a challenging, I guess, proposition to race well here?
1: Well, it's still the still the Wimbledon in our sport. I think it'll always be that. I mean, we, we can look at the Olympics. Yeah, it's a ma- amazing. Uh, every every four years, that event is iconic, and you know, watching like Alistair Brownlee and Gwen uh, mm-hmm. dominate, and uh, seeing the talent at that level. A lot of them have moved up, but. When they come over to Hawaii, Hawaii, which a lot of them have, and uh, Alistair Brownlee is one of them, uh, it it is a big step up. And I think a lot of the athletes come in here maybe a little bit beat up trying to qualify for Mm -hmm. points. And so they're not really whole like they should be. And we really should uh, develop a system where all the athletes, as best they can, come into Kona World Championships ready to race. And this is their big race. The pressure, I think, in this race is huge. And a lot of the athletes have difficulty, I think, as the week goes on. And as you said, the the conditions, we're always going to have the heat. Uh, last year was the most incredible day ever. I've never seen it in 40-odd years where it was just such a favorable day. Wind, not as hot. And the, obviously, the, the times were just absolutely incredible. But that was rare. I don't think we'll have it on Saturday. It'd probably have you know, a typical Kona day. But I've seen a lot of the athletes, and, and not to pick on him because if he was seated here, and I have great admiration for him, is Sebastian Keenley, who's won here, and the year that he had a great swim, and he made up the time in the the first section, four point eight miles, and I think he just attacked the bike because he's such a strong cyclist. But that was his race. He finished at four point eight miles. He couldn't break away from the pack, and had a horrific run for him. So you know why why did that happen? He's experienced, so you know he has to temper and diffuse some of his energy and do what he's done well and then say now's my time to go and I think a lot of the athletes and I and I mentioned Brownlee uh, I talked to him at, at uh, 70.3 world champs and he said give me three points tell me three things about Kona that would be helpful which I won't share with you right now but uh, if he wins maybe that's a, it's a good thing if he remembered one of them uh, but I think historically, he's gone very, very hard. He tries to blow everyone away on the swim and the bike. Did you bike tell him to
0: pace himself at the start of the run? I, I, yes, absolutely.
1: A- absolutely. And, w- and, Craig, you've seen it here. And we talked about your races. Oh, the first 5K, I was running 535 pace uh, per mile. You, you know, you're, you're running three, 328 uh, per K. And I said, don't do that. Yeah. You're not going to be able to hold that. So, but the, the pageantry of the event and the people screaming and now you're on the run and you're ready to go, you felt great, but it, it came back to bite you a little mm. bit. So, it, it, I didn't really answer your question. I, I think the pressure is much greater than most races.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, I think every year that I've, I've been here, either as a spectator or as a competitor, you look at the start list, men's and ladies, and there's a lot who could win. Potentially, based on what you've seen in the past, their form that year, what you think their physical fitness should be leading into the World Championships. I always presume everyone's going to be in their best shape, although we know that's not always the case. But on paper, it should be. And you think, well, then who's got the confidence to think? For me, that's the next piece of the puzzle. Who's got the confidence to think that I truly believe I can, I can win here, and not a, I guess, a false sense of security or an arrogance, but that confidence. Mm. But then also I guess the third part is I get the composure under pressure, what you alluded to, to, to maybe park your ego and make smart decisions in that race situation when it is time to slow down or um, you know, someone you think you should be riding with or running with, it's it's uncomfortable to be going at that pace and you need to make a smart decision in the moment. And I always found coming up from short course that was that mental discipline. In the heat of battle was the hardest thing to accomplish, and and that's what I'm interested to watch. After watching Ali, and I'm, I think he's one of the greatest triathletes we've ever seen. I mean, he is just so fun to watch. Phenomenal. He is incredible. Aggressive. But to to watch him come in in Nice, and put his socks on in T two, and and Gustav jumped in for about twenty seconds. And then Alistair just ate that time away so quickly. And Gustav was running 318s or three. I mean, he ran a 108. <laughs> so he averaged 321s. Yeah. Alistair took that time out of him so quickly and then put an equal amount of time into him in four kilometres. Yeah. So, from an outsider looking in, I just thought maybe if he'd paced the start of that run. But it's hard to do when, I mean, he's won two Olympic gold medals and multiple world titles just by ripping out a T2 and throwing caution to the wind. I think that's the difference with this race. Maybe you need to park that sometimes.
1: Yeah, very eloquent, Craig. Right on the right on the money. I mean, we we, we learn over time, and I think the athlete's—he's not going to get away on the swim. He's going to have a posse with him on the bike. You know, speaking of Alistair. but you know, we've got Jan Frodeno. We've got lots of talents in that men's field, but there's there's an attrition point, and quite often uh, the. The men's race has fallen apart once they come off of Javi. It's not the climb up the Javi, that you know, 12k climb, which is tough if the wind's in their face. But once they've come back down the hill and they've got about 31k back to Kauai High, 18 miles, and um, and then and now they're on the Queen K. They're not home yet, and the rolling hills in there—that's where the cycling leg gets fragmented or guys are just barely hanging on and then and they're decimated in the in the first mile of the run so you know i I think you're right on it for all of them i think they've got to really recognize when they can put the dagger in but they need to be patient
0: okay well we've started talking about the contenders so let's just continue with along that theme we'll we'll talk about the men first You mentioned Jan, two-time champion here, one of the the legends of our sport, one of the great athletes we've seen. He missed racing here last year. Uh, He's getting a little older, I think he's 37 or 38, so he's he's into his late 30s. To me, it looks like he's had a good year. He hasn't over-raced. He looks to be in amazing shape, if you believe everything you see and read on social media. Um, oh, I believe everything. <laughs> yeah, me too yeah. actually.
1: Yeah. Um no, so he, he he's he, he looks magnificent, you know. If you're looking at bodies that are ready to go, it doesn't matter what gender you're interested in, he is uh you know, he's a specimen.
0: He has a hell of a rig on him. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I just Well stated. Yeah. I just wonder the mindset though when you come into this race having missed the year before, and you, you had it, you had it. And, I mean, he was in pretty dominant form last year too. Um, so I think I think he's going to be hungry. He's definitely, in my mind, always one of the favourites. I mean, when you have the track record he's got, it's, it's not really, in my mind, about the... We know physically he's good enough to win. Yeah. It's a question of, is the motivation still there? Has he dotted the I's and crossed the T's? It, you know, at, at this point in his career, in his life, is he doing the things that he knows he needs to do? And if the answer is yes, then he's certainly going to be one of the athletes we're looking at. Would you agree?
1: I agree. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he's still hungry. Uh, I, I saw him in uh, South Africa, and he ran 106. He ran with his rivals. It, w- it was a picture-perfect, scripted race with Javier Gomez and and Alistair Brownlee, and Ferdinand ran 106 off the bike coming over here, and everyone's thinking, you know, with an extraordinary 70.3, he'll do the same. Then he he bows out you know a few days before the race in Kona so he's definitely hungry he had a good Ironman this year and as you said he didn't over race and you know if, if someone said oh he's not ready I think they're
0: they're dreaming. themselves
1: they're dreaming yeah of course he's ready
0: yeah as we say in Australia tell them they're dreaming yeah they are dreaming I'm with you on that that race in South Africa was one of the great races we've seen I think and I I think we saw his experience he obviously stepped up in distance earlier than the other two Javier and Ali and I think he, we saw his experience in his composure, particularly at the start of that half marathon, and he was able to hold pace a little bit better. The other two weren't too shabby either, though—one hundred seven and one hundred eight. <laughs> no,
1: pretty, that, that, that's that's brilliant. That's it's pretty the, rapid. It's very very quick. I mean, they're you know they're stellar, and you know Brownlee has raced for Dano and and vice versa, so. You know, they're, they're both contenders, but the field is deeper than two guys.
0: Well, throw some other names out then. Who well, you, we you
1: start. You, you're the historian. Uh, who would you go with?
0: Okay, well, we, one name you mentioned, Sebi. Sebastian, he's, he's won once here. He's been on the podium, I think, on multiple other occasions. He had a bit of a misfire last year with an injury. Uh, he's one guy, I think we haven't seen the best of on, on this island because we've seen the best of him at other races like Roth and, and Frankfurt where he's out of this world. And I guess it's hard to be that when you're injured like he was last year. But I think his his race in Nice a month ago indicated that he's rounding nicely in a form. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. And he, I saw him right after the race. He ran 109 off the bike. That's as fast as Uh, half off the bike and he was very pleased with that you know all of a sudden there's one two three and who's fourth Uh, but he had a good good race and and uh, you know he felt good about the day I think everyone at his level would have liked to have won but I think his better assets are for the Ironman
0: okay well another name then Ben Hoffman who was another guy who missed last year I think it was a sacral stress fracture but he's a he's a guy who's got some form he's had a second and a fourth here so and i think two very dominant performances at ironman south africa where i want to say he ran 240 or a touch under so what do you think of his chances this year uh, i just
1: saw ben just about an hour ago he was in the gym and he looked good he just has a new daughter
0: was he lifting much weight
1: uh he was doing some heavy 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 squats Uh, No, he wasn't Uh, I don't know if he lifts heavy weights Like you did during your heyday Uh, I always remember those uh, You flatter me Yeah, we'll come back to Ben I think Ben's got a good chance He was really confident He's got a new daughter He's real happy He's had good training And and, uh, and he's performed well here Can he win? I think if those guys are off a little bit He has an opportunity Uh,
0: What were you doing in the gym?
1: I I got in a swim uh, Just to come over here To kind of prime myself for this Sterling interview.
0: Ah, good. Okay. Well, here's another name, Uh, a guy from the U.S., Tim O'Donnell.
1: Tim was second here one year, and I'd like to see him do well along with his wife, uh, Miranda. Uh, So it'd be great to see them both step up, and, uh, you know, they're both tenacious. They know how to race, and they know how to race this race. Uh, Miranda's a multiple winner here, Mm. so I'm not jumping to the women, but she she certainly is in... uh, I don't like picking picks but the, you know let's go to the women okay
0: Well, okay. are we done with the men well I was going to ask for a dark horse pick as well
1: oh, 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 oh. well again I'm going to defer that to you why don't you give me your uh, dark I, horse
0: well there's a lot of depth on paper I think one guy who I mentioned to my wife as we were driving from the airport as I was Prepping for this interview because I do a little preparation, Dave. Unlike you. Yeah, no,
1: no, no, no. And 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 Nary's right off, uh, not on camera, but right off mic here. She's over here, so I'm going to ask her. She's she's well, pretty astute.
0: She's very astute. She probably knows more about the race than the two of us combined. But <laughs> no kidding. What about Dave McNamara? He's had two podiums the last two years, but he's a name that sort of nobody ever mentions. Comes from Scotland, where typically you wouldn't think a hot weather racer would. Um, originate from, but he, he finished third last year in conditions which we thought were historic and, and very good. But the year before that, he also finished third on a on a quite a, a hot day. Um, so he's, I guess, he's got a few strings to his bow. He's performed in slightly different conditions. Do you think he's a a potential to step up the podium, or is the third the best he could hope for?
1: Uh, I I, I like David. I I did an interview with him with Hoob uh, a couple years ago after his third place and uh and I thought, you know, he he does have a lot of talent, even though he's got that Scottish blood, and we, we shouldn't stereotype people. He runs he, he runs well in warm weather, so, yeah, he's one to look at.
0: I've got Scottish blood. What's wrong with Scottish blood? Well,
1: I, I do, too, a little bit as well, but I also have a little bit of lizard in my head. <laughs> okay. just, Yeah, you do. Yeah, no, that, that <laughs> part, a, a reptilian, that, you know, I can just sit out in the desert and...
0: And David, he loves Survive. to fuel up on his grits or his porridge, whatever he calls oh, it. Oh, so. does
1: he? I, I didn't really go over his diet, but... Well, uh, you should have. Uh, you
0: should have. You're the expert in the diet, but we'll get, uh, we'll get to diet in a minute. Yeah, what okay.
1: About? Well, how long is this interview? This is really something. Man, we've
0: got, we, got, we haven't even got to the women yet.
1: Oh, we haven't? Okay, good. We'll, we'll throw keep out going. one
0: more name and then we'll move to the ladies. Good gosh. You're Bart, out. I know, who finished yeah. second last year. Who did? Bart. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Bart, I know. Yeah. From mm-hmm. Belgium. Mm-hmm. Is he a chance to upset the apple cart, get on the podium, win, perhaps?
1: I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, I think if you're good enough to get second, mm. I think you're good enough to to come back and and at least replicate that level of a performance. So yeah, he was
1: steady through the whole day. He ran ran nicely. So yeah, of course, let's put him in that okay. in that bucket of people that we've mentioned and and it,
0: and we could know, add more to that bucket. Yeah, but let's and there's move on there are then.
1: some outsiders. Yeah, I, I, you know the the difference with a lot of the top athletes is that they have done well and. And not chiding anyone or uh, belittling anyone's talent. We've seen lots of 240 marathon runs around the world, Mm. but we don't see a lot of 240s anything here 248, 249. I
0: think there are only two 240s. Yeah, so why not?
1: And even when Fredano won, and I think he should be running 233 based (laughs) on his. His speed—he mm. ran 2:45 the day that he won, and that's dreadful. That's not even his aerobic pace. And I would say the same to Jan. I know a lot of the listeners are going to be appalled by my language, but I, I you know, I, I'm saying it with a critical but compassionate uh, voice as well. He is so talented, yeah. and I think there's a number of them that have proven themselves here that have the capability. They're a heck of a lot faster than what you know the days when I ran, and they're running not to their utmost potential i'd like to see him do it
0: no agreed agreed um and not wanting to offend anyone there's there's many more names we could add to the list but we need to move on your schedule is packed Mm -hmm. we've got to get you to your next appointment so let's move on to to the women's race of course history in the making beckons for danny she's going for five in a row i don't think anyone's done five in a row mark did on the men's side i think paula did four i want to say Mm -hmm. Chrissy did three in a row, and then had a year off before she won her fourth. Right. And I think Natasha did three and three. So, oh,
1: you're, you're, you're remarkable. I, I, I just—that's that, why
0: uh, they pay me the big bucks, Dave. I, I do a little that, research. I, I show gosh, some interest. No kidding. This is incredible.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't know all that. <laughs> I'd really have to think about it. But uh, you, again, you, you pulled this out of the historical Iron Man. Well, let's Bank. hope it's
0: true. I, it, it, there's a lot of numbers rolling around in my head. <laughs> but uh, let Danny, Danny's going for five in a row. Yeah. We, know that, we know that. That's yeah. for a fact. She looked incredibly dominant in Nice. Yeah. At seventy point three worlds, she used to be. I guess I don't want to say pigeonhole, but her strength was that swim bike combination. But to me, it looks like the last two or three years, her run has become her weapon.
1: Well, her runs are weapons, certainly in the seventy point three. I again, I feel as though, uh, and you call her Danny. It's kind of an Aussie thing. You you, you abbreviate things. You have got all nicknames these for nicknames for everyone. I don't call her Danny. I call her Daniela. Daniela. So Daniela, uh, she she hasn't run well here, and I'll put her in the same short list with Jan. I'd like to see her really run fast. Let's get down to what Chrissy and Marinda did. Two fifty two. Let's get down to 252. She's capable of doing that because she's run 117 off the bike. She ran 118 mm-hmm. in Nice when I saw her and she was extraordinary. Mm. Uh, so she, she, uh, she's, she's a remarkable athlete, incredible.
0: I think she's going to do it this year. Mm. I think if we uh, – given the conditions, probably won't be as good as last year because that was historic, as you mentioned. Given the typical conditions we see, I think she's one athlete you see year to year – Molds her race a little differently, learns, adds extra strings to her bow. I think I think she will run that this year, but so she she's the big favorite then. What about Lucy Charles?
1: Well, I'm just gonna say something about Daniela, and, you, and I'm sure you recognize this. She ha- was nine minutes slower than what she uh, has done in previous years here out of the swim. Mm-hmm. She was stung, I think, by a jellyfish or man of war or something, and, and uh, uh, you know people are saying, where is Daniela? So she's coming from a huge deficit is composed and has the most extraordinary second half of her bike, which was outrageous, and then ran well. So, you know, she was able to win with a psychological dent, and and I love to see that uh, willpower, that tenacity, and just, you know, she persevered with a a real unknown. You know, she got stung, (laughs) probably went into shock a little bit, and then got on her bike, and I think it was like a motorcycle, so, uh yeah she she's amazing i saw lucy charles uh, uh, of course in um in a lot of races where she's coming second to danielle second here last year and uh i i could tell you know being the finish line uh when the women finished last year there was a a feeling from lucy that i'm gravely disappointed Mm. i saw her niece i don't know what i told her but you know i have great admiration for her. she likes to go out hard she likes to lead she's proven that she can run and I think if she's capable of of running what she has done in the half she's able to run 250s low here which you know if she's close on the bike Daniello's off a little bit Marinda might be back she's my in my top 3 um and yeah, not necessarily in any order uh, I know you picked Daniela to win. And I, I I'm not no, hang did- on, hang on.
0: Oh, okay, oh, okay. okay I haven't sorry. picked anyone yet. But oh, you haven't?
1: Oh, okay. Well, you said I think she can win. I, I well, I she have- can win. Well, she can win, of course, and I agree. That's kind of a silly statement, but uh, yeah, she, they're all darn good. They're real good.
0: You know me. I like to sit on the fence. I don't want to upset anyone. Or I don't either, feelings. and I don't
1: like doing predictions. You're the one who brought it up. I, I, I think it kind of disparages the rest of the talent, but. We're kind of on this vein, so here we go. Okay,
0: well, throw me under the bus. Yeah, it was a my bit. idea. I said predictions. Good on you. Yeah. All right, well, as soon as we're going with predictions, what about Ann Haug, who finished third here last year? Had a very slow start to the year through injury, and that's not always a bad thing. As you alluded to before, by the time we get to October, we see a lot of athletes have jumped through hoops, have raced at a high level for a long period of time, and that doesn't always help their performances at the back end of the year she qualified or validated whatever the word is they use these days at copenhagen with i think an eight hour 30 i want to say or an 835 she was on her own all day so she's obviously rounded into form last year was her first year doing ironman this is her second year so you would think she's trending up you know with experience and what she learned racing here last year and now two years of ironman preps she's got to be a name we're looking at as well
1: I am with you on that because (laughs) I I saw her in South Africa run one fourteen off the bike, one of the fastest, Mm. if not the fastest, uh, women's. uh, She's a 21K. She's a rocket, and watching her run, she's elegant. I just you know her form is magic. She's light. She comes from ITU. Mm. Uh, You know, I thought she was brilliant. So yes, she is. She's a bona fide contender, and I and I think she doesn't want to come in fourth on our short list you know, no well, we've got a
0: third on our list
1: oh we do okay yeah. well she i think she you know could win this she's capable of running under
0: 250 yeah absolutely and, and we're uh, we're just speculating uh, yeah, why, wait,
1: why, we, we are and 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 it's hard to do this i i don't know if anyone's going to listen to this but uh, maybe at some point
0: well my well, mum will listen to my brother so there's two yeah what about your friend mike You'll listen.
1: Ah, uh, no, no, no. He he gets lost and all this garbage. Well, I'm not surprised
0: because actually, when I met Mike, he was staying with you. Yeah, five years ago, he'd flown all the way from the mainland to come and stay with you, and you had him sleeping on the couch or on the floor. No, and no. And you no, locked him out one night as well. Yeah, you're, he was you're, on your lanai.
1: You're thinking of another mate. That's John. And John, oh, John. Is, John is on route right now. He's coming out again. He used to Are you be going to lock him
0: out this year. Yeah, actually,
1: he During the glory days, I went to the the Gold Coast in '89, raced over there, raced against mark mark caught me on a 30k run and uh, i don't know that was a, a precursor to having to beat me here but john came over and uh i don't know he, he's a soil scientist he used to slip a around soil, for, scientist. soil scientist yeah he, he's internationally renowned we don't need to go into his career and his, okay. his cv but uh yeah, he's been to all my races uh through the 80s uh close mate for uh, i went to his 70th birthday birthday i went to his 30th too now you get how old i am i mean he looks real bad for 70. uh anyway he's gonna be here and he sleeps out of the patio. i forgot what we were talking about i don't know what
0: we're talking about, about to- your mates and how they're still hanging in there after three decades when you lock them out <laughs> four
1: day- four decades yeah no he sleeps on the porch he but he's on the internet during race day giving me stats of a couple people that I coach. And w- one guy, he's kind of come down a little bit, but he was 16 hours. and so when you're 16 hours, you are out there in this black abyss, and I'm hoping he's going to shatter it. I, I-, I don't remember the storyline was, Craig, because <laughs> oh. I- I'm just a tired guy. <laughs> But that's interesting. We don't need to talk about John anymore. He'll be here soon.
0: Uh, John, if you're listening. Well, he's he's one of the three people we know are listening. That's how we got yeah, on to John.
1: That's what we were talking about. Right. We're talking about this Shimano interview. Yeah. We will have a couple because uh, I'll I'll bribe them and uh, give them a Dave Scott hat. That's we'll, real we'll put keeper. it out through
0: your social media. You've got about 30 followers, so there's 30 <laughs> more listeners.
1: But yeah, that's a, not a good day.
0: I guess the hard thing about picking who we think is going to perform well at this race, it's hard because unless you've been in camp with people, you don't know who's sick, who's injured. We're basing a lot of this on all their pedigree in their class and past performance and, and what we think. And presume they're going to be in their best shape, but but we don't know. So, any dark horses in the ladies before we move on?
1: We have covered the women thoroughly.
0: Sarah true? No. Uh, not a dark horse? I think she is. Anyway, well, let's move on. Um, what else do you want to talk about?
1: Uh, you're you're the moderator. I'm just a soft talent over here. So, well, you go ahead. It. We can cover any storyline. I mean, I I know quite a bit about other topics that are unrelated to triathlon.
0: Well let me talk about this then. You talked about the technology that's come in into the sport and I know obviously I haven't been in the sport as long as you have and I haven't raced here on this island for five or so years now, but even the bikes, you mentioned the weight of the bikes. Wheels, rolling resistance, tire pressures, I think not only the technology but the The theory and the knowledge around the way we do things, what tire pressures we run, the width of rims. I've noticed, I mean, when I first came into the sport, it was about very narrow wheels, Mm. high pressures, and it's sort of gone full circle now. We're running wider rims that are more aerodynamic, tire pressures lower, wider tires as well. Mm. I just think the knowledge in and around the sport, it's not only we know a lot more from wind tunnel testing and experience, the way we apply it is a lot better. But it's interesting how the times haven't really come down. I guess it's not reflective because I think the athletes are getting better. Um, Mm. They train smarter. What we know around nutrition and recovery is better. My theory is it's tied in and around the qualifying process and how you, you mentioned it before. A lot of athletes get to this race beat up after jumping through hoops, trying to accumulate points and potentially don't get to this race and, and a lot of the other championship races in their best form. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, that was a long-winded question. Uh, question. Uh, you know, I, I think looking at uh, Jan Frodeno, I think the, the double, and I've kind of seen this historically, the women are more resilient than the men. I used to see this with... Heather Fuhrer and Laurie Bowden, and uh, they would quite often do an Ironman race Canada back then, then come here and do do well. But when the men doubled up or did a close race, even at 70.3 now, uh, we, you know you kind of have to look. Well, who is was who at the at Nice? Is that going to affect them? It was a month ago or a little over a month, and uh, you know came back. Whether that was the issue that Jan had last year, trying to go back to back on those, you you won both of those races. Um, so inside a window where your last big race on top of a real hearty year, I'm always wary about those athletes that are over racing. When you feel fit, you can be overzealous about saying, oh, I want to do one more. I know I can, you know, mm. perform well. It's my final test. But uh, I think what you alluded to, I, there, you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there. They're doing physiological testing. They're doing blood draws. They're looking at the athlete's recovery as part of a huge uh, emphasis on being ready for their races i'll say it's you know we had the opportunity i didn't do it i mean i i felt like i i couldn't get a massage because i never deserved it and then i found out mark was getting like two a week and i thought well i get one every six months because i you know it was kind of silly but i think the athletes do have an opportunity to kind of dial in um their data a little bit better talking about the bikes I mean, one of the interesting thing is everyone's chasing watts. We're all intrigued by looking at their FTP and and looking at watts and how fast they're going. But the bikes are so... uh so aerodynamic and the equipment, as you alluded to, is, is yeah, eons above what I used to ride. And quite often we're seeing the watts come down because the body position is better. The bike mm. is more functional. And so they're not having these extraordinary watts. And, and I uh, remember talking to Jan Ferdano about this. He has beautiful bike position. His, his watts and watts per kilogram are relatively low. You have mm. to look at the speed. They're going fast. Yeah, going fast with less watts. That's a great thing. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the absolute goal. So, you know, we we see these peak watts. I think with a lot of cyclists where they're going up a grade, uh, but they're not having to run a marathon on the end. And the speeds that the men and the women are riding seventy point three in Ironman. I mean, over here, the gold standard when I was racing was to ride forty k an hour. You know, if you could do four thirty five. That was, you know, a great day. And then we had a few, uh, a couple of the Germans that shattered that. They were going 420-something. But 435, that was like, wow, can you do that for 180K? And, you know, if if we don't see times now from any Ironman that are 415 or better, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that here, I mean, it's just astounding. The speeds are remarkable.
0: Yeah, I I think it's the application of the knowledge. And you alluded to it again there. It's one thing to sit on a trainer or climb a hill and and have a a very high power output. But how does that actually translate to going fast for 112 miles? And you mentioned yarn. I think a skill these guys and girls have is they fine-tune this position and they do the body work and the strength and conditioning to be able to hold that position. So that's a skill. That's an acquired skill. Not only finding an aerodynamic position where they can sustain their power output, but being able to hold that position, having the core strength and stability to do it, and then be able to run a marathon off it.
1: I mean, that was one thing, Craig, that, that w- when we started kind of uh, chatting together during your heyday was, you know, you weren't symmetrical and your strength work, I think, you know, really came up and it was a little more defined. And, and you know, I always felt that athletes can get away by being a little bit stronger, but you have, good, you have beautiful biomechanics on the run as well. So, you know, I, 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 here it is anecdotal that athletes are still kind of seasonal on strength training. We sort of throw it in, in you know, one, uh, one bucket, but it's also the, your natural range of motion, your mobility in your shoulders mm-hmm. and your thoracic mm-hmm. spine, your hips, and, you know, people can look at their soleus and, you know, uh, other areas, and all of a sudden, you know, you see athletes that just look stiff at, <laughs> stiff when they're running, and we see this all the time. They get to about 20K on the run here in Kona, and you're thinking, who is that running? Because uh, their form is just completely dismantled, mm. both men and women, they, their body integrity, language, arm movement, head action, is a mess. Mm. And I think a lot of the athletes, like yourself, who was very, very, very diligent, and Chrissy was the same way, uh, that did their strength training and maintain that range of motion. If you can do that, and put it together with all the other ingredients that you made, it, you know the athletes are are darn fast now, and they should be going. Faster here in Kona. Again, we had a sensational day last year, Patrick Longa and Daniela. you know, Remarkable days. The whole field was remarkable. I want to see them do it on a typical Kona day. I want to see that wind blowing at Javi. Uh, I'd like to see the sun out like it is right now on our backs while we're doing this interview. That's a normal day. I don't want to see an extraordinary day. Make them work a little bit and run fast.
0: I'd like to see a bit of wind too because I think it throws up Names like Cam Worth as well. And some of those bigger guys, Sebi who are strong on the bike. I mean, when there's no wind here, this course is quite quick. It's hot mixed road. You can roll over some of the, the hills and carry that speed up the next roller. Whereas when you're pedaling into a head crosswind, it's, it's hard work getting down some of those hills. So I think I would like to see that as well. I'd like to see some different conditions to what we've had the last couple of years, just because I think it'll change the race and bring different different people like a Cam Worf into it. Um, but one other thing I want to talk about before we close because I know you've got a busy schedule
1: yeah 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 you mentioned the busy schedule but there doesn't seem to be an urgency in finishing oh, this interview no but go way. Ahead. no I mean we're covering a lot of Nara oh look your wife is fallen asleep over here well, just had a 10 hour flight
0: she's used to listening to me talk that that would put anyone to <laughs> sleep I know that But um, we you have talked, discussed that you talked about marketing a lot of massage and, and you nod and in theory the recovery is important but I think what's also important is the self-awareness of each athlete, knowing what makes you tick. And sometimes that sort of Spartan existence motivates people and they thrive on knowing they've done it tough. But just the self-awareness, I guess that's why I'm high on Danny and Jan this year. You know, Jan has opted not to do nice. He understands he's, he's getting older and as a champion, and he's one of the greatest champions we've seen in our sport, he's just a phenomenal athlete, can win anything. And has won everything Mm. it would have been hard for him to sit out 70.3 worlds in nice Um, but that was a sort of a composed mature decision with experience i guess a self-awareness and same with danny you talked about her getting stung by the box jellyfish and you know the crocodile hunter had to come in and unpeel that thing off her arm and she lost 10 minutes still had the experience and the composure and the awareness not to panic pick her way through the field i think those self-awareness characteristics always stand an athlete instead not only on race day but but in the lead-up knowing yourself how to prepare how to manage your workload your training workload your sponsorship and media workload throughout the year that's what leads to athletes being consistent
1: yeah and they i think once you've made your mark i mean they they understand that and uh as you know, when you got over here, you have to kind of diffuse some of the requests and make sure that your energy is just coming back to yourself. But, uh, you know, I, I can't really add much more th- than what you have said because, I, you know, they, they, I, I think the athletes, the, the, the one thing that I like to see, and we mentioned Daniela, uh, totally different scenario. She's usually out of the water with the top women, takes off on the bike kind of blows people away on the bike and last year was different so being able to do that tremendous uh Jan Frodeno I think you know he, he can if he's not leading off the bike I don't think he's going to be worried I think he's going to say you know I I've won this race I can come back on the marathon the times I have won here I didn't run my best so you know it, it, it'll play out the way we play out it's kind of like you know here in the states of the football Analysts talk about the you know what's going to happen in the game. They're so off. Uh, so I, I think you know I love watching the champions. I hope they all have their best day. And I I said this back when I raced. Uh, I was kind of like the honeybee because there, there weren't the number of races around the world. And so when they come to Kona, I was the mark guy. And uh, Mark Allen was always next to me on the swim along with everyone else. And I just felt like I was, you know, I was getting surrounded by those box jellyfish. Uh, But I kind of recognize there's different scenarios that, you know, you may not feel great coming in the last two or three days before the race. But, you know, on race day, you're going to have a good day. You just don't know how good it's going to be. And I think a lot of the athletes uh, program themselves off as someone else. They're working off as someone else. And they really don't have that innate ability to win here they can win iron man bangladesh but they can't win iron man kona
0: well said well on that note mm. dave scott six-time iron man world champion they call you the man because you are the man thanks for joining me on ride shimano radio
1: my pleasure craig always a treat to to uh, chat with you